Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. How are you? Tired. Very tired this morning. <sighs> Didn't sleep very well last night, but that's okay. We're going to be able to push through this Buffalo Wings and Rings mailbag here. Uh, we're going to do the football mailbag first. Cut the deadline off this morning. So if you get your if you got your questions in after 9 a.m. on Wednesday, then we're not going to be able to get to those questions and we'll get to them on the next mailbag because we will do another one probably post scrimmage this Saturday, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, won't we, Derek? I, th- I think because we'll get to watch Fan Day on Saturday uh, for a, probably about an hour scrimmage is what or an hour, not a scrimmage, but an hour practice. So we'll get to see the quarterbacks throw. So we'll do a mailbag after that as well. Yeah, and if you're you know not familiar with the details, it just came out yesterday. Fan day is the Saturday at 11 a.m. Right, Sean? It's at 11. Yeah, at Kroger Field. So media day starts at 10. I'm getting my dates a little confused. So yeah, Saturday at 11, it is free. If you want to come to the stadium, you just show up and walk right in. And uh, really, I think it's a great opportunity. I've always enjoyed watching football practices. The, the organization of it, I think, is cool. And if you're someone whose family, you know, maybe you only get to come to a game or two a year, or maybe you don't get to come to any games. This is a free event. You can come watch the team practice, get to see them in person. Um, I think coming to watch this will get people very excited for football season. Yeah, and it will be a little different. They're not going to do the autograph session that they'd usually have due to COVID-19 and the Delta variant and everything like that, Derek. Uh, But at least we're getting something. Last year, we got nothing. Yeah, last year, I mean, he went into the season just kind of blind, just not really knowing what to – what to expect, but it'll be good to, to see these quarterbacks. It'll be good to see some of the sets. I mean, I don't think they'll show a ton, um, but it'll still be good to kind of – you still should be able to get something out of it. Hopefully we get to see one more open practice, um, media or otherwise. Probably, hopefully media usually get one where they let us in for about 45 minutes a little bit later in the fall, and you can get a pretty good idea of, you know, who's running with the ones, who's running with the twos, things like that. But – uh you say so it's Saturday, it's at Kroger Field. In the past, it has been – well, in the past, it was at Kroger Field, but then they early uh, – here the last few years of Stoops, they'd switch it over to the practice fields. But that will not be the case this year. If you are coming, you can sit in the stands. It should be a much more pleasant viewing experience for you. So uh, I would encourage people, if you live nearby or don't have much else going on Saturday, swing on by to the stadium. Yeah, and Kentucky football actually is a month from today. So today's yeah. August 4th. Kentucky football kicks off on September 4th, Eric. So we are officially a month away from actually sitting there and watching a game. It's hard to believe that we're at this point. This month will probably feel like it's going to drag by, honestly, <laughs> until, until we get to that point. But uh, I want to see these mailbags with football start picking up some more. And I'm, I'm sure they will as we get into football season. And, two, I didn't put the tweet out till late last night because we really didn't know what the plan was this week until, what, 9 o'clock last night. We finally came up yeah. with what we are going to do yesterday. You didn't get an episode because it was such a slow news day. There was literally nothing to talk about. We didn't want to force an episode. But we're giving you a Buffalo Wings and Rings mailbag, as always. That is our sponsor for the mailbags. They're located right there off uh, I-75 in London, Kentucky. I pass by it all the time on my way up to Lexington. I highly recommend you to get out there, try their delicious food. Uh, When the games start, go out there and watch a game, take in the atmosphere. There are a lot of people there watching college football when football season starts. Uh, So either if you're on your way up to Lexington or you're on your way back down, 
uh, stop at Buffalo Wings and Rings there in London, Kentucky to grab a meal. Eric, let's go ahead and jump into this mailbag, and let's just go with the first question I saw last night as they were coming through. It's from our buddy, Beezy. How many commits is Kentucky expected to take in the in football for this class? I know with the portal, they will want to keep open some spots as well. Uh, yeah, I think probably, I mean, I think you would safely say at least nine more. They have 11 commits right now. If you took 20, that'd leave about five spots you could add um, via transfer. And they might even, I mean, it might be one of those situations if they, right now, I think you might, see them lean more more towards taking transfers um, just because you can't really pinpoint a ton of targets right now in the high school ranks that they might get. But, you know, in the past we've seen after a season that board really shuffle. Uh, some of those players become more available. Um, I would think every year going forward you can safely assume they're going to leave four to five spots just to kind of see what happens uh, with the portal. And the portal might not be as exaggerated in the coming years. I mean, I saw – um, I just think you had a lot of factors that kind of led to it. The first time that you're allowed to, so guys are making one-time transfers. Um, you have extra players who get another year to come back. Just a lot of factors, I think, that led to a lot of players. I'll be curious to see how that changes over time. I still think there will always be a decent number of players who look for a change. Um, but you might see – you know, I think I saw a stat, Sean, throughout all sports. There were 13,000 people who went into the portal, and I think 11,000 are still in there is what I saw. Yeah. So, you know, I think people are going to see what happened to some of their buddies who left and didn't either ended up somewhere not as good or didn't end up anywhere at all. Do you, so, uh, go ahead. Do you think that as this goes along with the portal that we'll get to a point to where we see more underclassmen in the portal than we do upperclassmen? Yeah, I think you'll still see a lot of guys transfer after a year or two. Yeah. Um, a lot of times after – one. You know, a lot of guys you'll see uh, after they've been on campus for their freshman year, say they redshirted after the spring, if they can kind of get an idea that maybe they're not going to work out, that's when you'll see guys leave a lot of times. It's rare you get a guy – I mean, sometimes in football you do because there's so many players. Sometimes you'll get a guy who's been around three years. Like a Nick Lewis, for example, this year was around three years, realized he probably wasn't going to crack the rotation, so he went ahead and left. Um, but a lot of times, yeah, I think you can get an idea fairly early. And guys will head out and transfer down a lot of times and go from there. Have a question here in the DMs too that kind of goes along with this. Uh, anything going on with UK and Tyrese Fearbury since his recommitment or decommitment from Penn State, or is he a lock to end up at Pitt? We have to improve our pass rush going forward. Hasn't really been there since Josh Allen. I know we talked about that position in their pass rush the other day that with recruiting that it looks like that might be a, a target in the transfer portal in the spring and in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like Fierby's going to head, uh, head to Pittsburgh. He, uh, he's from Pittsburgh. He, whenever he committed to Penn state, there were, I think it caught a lot of people by surprise because a lot of people thought he was already leaning to Pitt. He got a crystal ball from Steve Wolfong the other day. Didn't have a crazy high confidence level to it. I think it was only around a five, but still, I think they're certainly the team to beat. Uh, I'm sure UK has some optimism. He did officially visit, um, but I don't, I don't think they've ever felt like they were the leader for him. And I would, I would definitely think he would go to Pitt. Probably the more surprising one was uh, Ryan Bear, who didn't take an official visit to Pittsburgh, but is now getting a lot of crystal ball picks to the Panthers. He's a four-star offensive lineman. 
officially visited UK. I thought there for a minute UK was probably the team to beat, and now it looks like he's going to end up somewhere he'd even take an official to. So that's a little bit interesting there. Um, but, yeah, on the defensive side of ball, I guess the guy I would watch in terms of a pass rusher would be Joshua Josephs. He's announcing on October 1st. He's a three-star, kind of an outside linebacker, not not necessarily a true defensive end like Kirby is. Um, but he is one I think they probably have a better shot at uh, than – fear being i think they could maybe get that one done we'll have to see though i mean there's still like i said october 1st there's still work to be done next question comes from brandon and he he said this is a hypothetical one Derek. he says kentucky let's say kentucky gets at or above nine wins this year which would be amazing and their offense is great how likely is it liam cohen gets offered a head coaching job somewhere else so it's a two-parter so we'll answer that part first you know i think it's possible um you know having a sean mcveigh reputation or having him in your corner more so at the nfl level i would say has really helped guys advance their careers um cohen is a younger guy who doesn't have really any kind of track record at a high level outside of you know being an assistant he wasn't even a true position coach with the rams but um obviously stoops took a shot at him um, I think the guy who he gets compared to sometimes is, is Joe Brady in terms of how people hope it will go. I don't think it's going to be quite as dramatic. I mean, Brady obviously went from being with the saints and, uh, in a assistant role. I think he was like an analyst as well, went to LSU and obviously had the co-offensive coordinator label, but he got credited for a lot of their offensive success. Of course, he had an all-world offense to go with. I mean, he had the number one pick in the draft, uh, Joe Burrow. I mean, the most important position. Uh, yeah, Jamar Chase was the top five pick, and a bunch of other guys on the LSU team. That was, you know, they were just great. It was a great uh, college football offense. I don't. I would honestly, if you're asking me right now, I'd be a little bit surprised if he went one year UKOC to head coach. I yeah. mean, Neil Brown went from. You know, Neil Brown somewhat did that. He did two years at Kentucky, but he'd already been a power five coordinator at Texas Tech. Um, he had been at Troy as an offensive coordinator. He had a much longer track record. Uh, and he, the school that hired him, he had been an assistant there before. Unless Cohen's going to go coach at Maine or UMass or something, uh, and I don't think he will, then I would be pretty surprised if he left after one year to be head coach. But that said, I wouldn't be stunned. I mean, if they just really, really excel and he just looks great, I wouldn't be surprised if he got hired by – a different college or I mean I still think the jump from SEC OC to NFL OC would still be pretty large but like I said with that McVay backing I mean who knows what could happen yeah which uh Joe Burrow played a lot into the Joe Brady experiment there so or Kentucky fans hoping Will Levis or Joey <laughs> Gatewood is the equivalent of Joe Burrow I mean we don't know like it, there is the unknown factor right now that everybody assumes it's going to be better and everything and I mean it has to be better that's the thing I don't think it can be worse we've talked about that the offense has to be improved they've added they've added pieces and you can see them uh, making some plays on that side of the ball for sure but the second part of the question so let's just say that the stars do align Kentucky gets nine wins they have a really good year again Brandon says someone's going to notice what he did to UK's offense in one year and going to want him should UK fire Stoops and hire him to keep him if that were to happen I'm going to say no because Mark Stoops has built the program to national relevance and where it's at. And here's the hope, Derek. Let's say that Liam Cohen really likes his time in Kentucky and Stoops does leave in, let's say, four or five years from now. 
then you would hope that Cohen like Cohen liked his time so much at Kentucky. Now you've got options with the with a Liam Cohen and and others and and stuff. And you you never know. Maybe that's added to the pool of candidates in the future after they've gone somewhere else. I mean, I don't see Liam Cohen jumping to a huge Power Five job after one successful year at Kentucky. Yeah, I don't either. But uh, no, nah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't fire Stoops. No, I, I don't think so at all, for sure. Uh, but you you mentioned Sean McVay a moment ago. So Jonathan has a question, and I think he's asking, can someone explain what the Sean McVay offense is and what we're hoping to see? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I'm not your best football guy. To, you know, you might, I think 11 personnel would probably do a better job than I would at sit there and dissecting everything. I mean, I can tell you from the – at a novice level, you'll get more – you know, 12 personnel. I think before Keaton Upshaw got hurt, you were going to see a lot of two wide receiver, two tight end sets. The running backs will be much more involved than what they have been in the past. Um, uh, you know, it's especially, I mean, even if you think about what the Rams did a few years back um, with Todd Gurley, who, if you remember him in college at Georgia, I don't remember him ever catching a pass at Georgia. He was very much just to turn around, give it to him, let him go. I mean, one season in the NFL, you know, he had 59 catches. So, you know, you're going to get involved that way. And I think you're going to see guys like Cavassier Smoke and Jatan McLean probably have a role in this offense just because they should be able to catch the ball. I would think they're going to be able to catch the ball a little bit better than Rodriguez. But I think Cohen, as he's mentioned, wanting to get Rodriguez the ball more. And it would help Rodriguez's draft stock if he shows that he can do that out of the backfield. Because I think in the NFL today, you have to. You have to be able to catch the ball out of the – out of the backfield, yeah. but you know, Kentucky had done inside zone running the ball under Eddie Grand. There'll be more outside zone, uh, zone blocking running plays this year. Um, but I'm not gonna try to pretend I know all the ins and outs of, of what that means. I mean, that's just what I'll tell you. If you're looking from that, like I would say, you know, from what I've heard too, from from some players kind of talk, like the where he will. Cohen, that is, where he'll prove to be very successful is how he adapts to a defense. I think one of McVay's things is people – I mean, you've probably seen the video, Sean, where McVay can, like, pull up film and, like, remember every single play, what the call was and everything. Like, he's got a crazy mind. And he's very good at adjusting and calling things and getting his guys in a good spot. And I've heard so far through spring, I think you even heard it from Brad White, that, that Cohen has done a very good job adjusting to what the defense shows him. They've had guys running wide open. Uh, I think it was at the luncheon that he mentioned that Brad White. So uh, that will, to me, will be to show kind of the true success of this offense. It's you know how innovative is it, how much can can Liam Cohen adjust, and uh, whenever the defense starts to maybe take some things away, how does he kind of counter that um, and make it work otherwise? And staying on the topic of the offense, earlier this week we discussed on this podcast Isaiah Cummings making the move to tight end. And Nick has a couple of questions about that. He said, could you break down the move of Cummings to tight end? How athletic is he? What you think his ceiling is? How soon you think he could produce? And maybe any comparisons to other tight ends that you think might fit? Yeah, I think that's kind of the unique, uh, the unique thing about Cummings is he's, you know, I think I think Dingle will kind of be the same way uh, as Cummings. You're talking about a change from the C.J. Conrads and Justin uh, Riggs of the world that are, I mean, tall, strong. Neither, neither guy is very fast, though, for being real. Um, 
And CJ Conrad, as productive as he was, was more or less a catch the ball, get hit and go down. I mean, he wasn't really juking guys out or anything. You know, he was just he was a he was a reliable pass catcher. Where I think the hope with a guy like Cummings, who is a wide receiver naturally moving to this position, you can kind of mix him, match him up a little bit better. Um what you might lose from that, unless you have a Conrad and Rig, is I mean, guys who were praised constantly for how well they did blocking. And uh you know, so that's that to me. That's a big question with Cummings. He had that rep as a good as a good pass blocker, but you know, it's a little bit different when you're out there blocking cornerbacks versus going down there to the line of scrimmage. You know, blocking defensive ends, blocking outside linebackers. That that will be the big question to me with him. Um, but the the thing that I think they want to move him there. I mean, it's a different look. I mean, they kind of call it a hybrid, a guy that you can line up, and you know, he, he's again, he's his rep is also as a reliable pass catcher, but. Where he fits in right now, I would still say, just given that Rig and Bates have actually played in the SEC at tight end, I mean, I think he's for sure behind those guys. But I think having that one year in a college program and getting moved there, I would probably still put him ahead of Jordan Dingle for now. But I think Dingle will probably get a chance uh, at a certain point, uh, especially if there's an injury. I mean, if there's an injury, they're going to need all those guys to step in there and play. Uh, But, yeah, I, I think Cummings makes sense. I mean, he's a guy that, He's listed at 228. Uh, if that's where he actually is coming into the year, I, I doubt he can throw a ton of weight on during the season. But in the offseason, if he knows he's going to be full-time at tight end moving forward, you could see him at you know, at least 10 more pounds or yeah. so and be in a spot where you're close to 240. I mean, I think that's probably the, the goal for him moving forward. And hopefully he can maintain that speed because then, you know, you're talking about – I don't know, Sean. I just like having guys with different looks. I don't like having four guys who are all the well, same. You know, and I think that he adds a little different element to the room. And you mentioned his frame and stuff. He that that's a frame that's going to be able to put on weight easily yeah. when you look at him. That he's going to be able to carry that weight easily. But if, like you said, you hope that he maintains that speed. Uh, also, Derek, it's one of those things too where if he's in the game, if he goes in the season, you don't want it to be so predictable that Kentucky's going to pass out of that yeah. formation. <laughs> if he's on, if he's on the field, you want to be able to see him uh, be able to block and do some other things. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Uh, Steven has a question about the future and the way college football is changing and super conferences. He said, I haven't seen this anywhere else, but I think by 2025, there will be four super conferences with four pods in each. And the college football playoff will consist of the 16 winners of each pod playing two games to determine the conference champions and the four conference champions playing a final four. The other conferences would sign on. It makes the regular season relevant and it would be ratings gold. What are your guys' thoughts and keep up the great work? Derek, are we moving 
towards that, you think, in the next four to five years? Uh, I definitely agree with the super conferences, and I agree with the pods. Uh, I don't know if that's how they will do the – I mean, his guess is as good as mine. I don't know how they'll do the the playoff system. I know there was a push to move to 12 teams. I think that's been kind of put on pause as they kind of figure out realignment. Um, how many – I'm not looking at the question. I was just listening to it. It, it would seem like a lot of games in the – you would have to play two games to even win the conference championship. Did I interpret that right? It says there will be four super conferences with four pods in each, and the college football mm-hmm. playoff will consist of the 16 winners of each pod playing two games to determine the conference champions and the four conference champions playing a final four. So potentially four postseason games is how I understand that, yeah. right? Yeah. Two in your conference, and then if you make the playoffs, the fourteen playoff, if you win, yeah. Um, I mean, that's just one more than what it is now, I guess. But uh, I-, I would think there will still be a push to get more teams in instead of just four teams in the playoff. I think I think they want a larger playoff, so I would still lean towards thinking there will be twelve. Uh, how they determine those twelve, I'm not sure. They might try to keep it the way it is now. But uh, hey, we're going into a Era that none of us really know what's going to happen. So I'm not I'm not going to shoot down any idea. This this might be the right idea. I don't know. I would just kind of say right now with how – and I don't even know if it makes sense for college football. I've kind of stood by the idea that it might be kind of fun to, to get more teams in, but I still think at the end of the day in college football, the same teams as of now. I mean, that could change on the road. But I don't know if you saw my tweet, Sean, about Quinn Ewers, who is going to Ohio State and enrolled early. Um the number one player in the 2021 class now. So Ohio State had seven five stars this year, three of the top five. So I mean they're already taking all the talent. Yeah. Well, they had the number two class in the country behind Alabama. So what's that <laughs> what's that tell you? I mean that, that's two schools that have essentially assembled all the yeah. top talent this year. And I just think in college football it's going to remain the same. So it could be fun to have some more teams. Maybe you get some upsets in those kind of mid round games or whatnot. Um but I think if you're a college football fan you just kind of accept it for what it is. That's my opinion of it. I mean, there are probably really only five or six teams realistically most years have a chance to win it all. That's a good point. And uh, I guess we'll wrap up with this one because I don't see anything else. Lucas Witt, we'll do this and we'll we'll answer half of it in the, the basketball, half of it in this one. Your thoughts on the Kentucky jerseys for both football and basketball. So we'll do the football on here. And it's actually an interesting discussion because I was sending you an edit of someone the other day and we were talking about how long Kentucky football has had the jerseys that they're wearing but I actually like the jerseys that they have I don't mind the checkerboard on the football jerseys on the sleeve I don't think it's over the top maybe as much as the basketball jerseys are I like it but I think we're getting to a point here we're maybe a year away from them changing it a little bit because they have had those a while yeah I like them I mean um I think it was kind of the big thing. I, I kind of put it with the stoops here, but I think it was just kind of everywhere. I mean, the uniform combinations really took off there in the early 2010s, mid-2010s, I guess, um, where everybody was, like, having a bunch of uniforms. If you go to UK's football facility, they have all their – well, maybe not all, but they have a lot of their uniform combinations um, up on the mannequins right there in the lobby. So I think they have plenty of options. Um Sean, do you remember? I, I mean, that's all because of Oregon for the most part. But I can, 
I remember kids a lot in the past kind of talking about jerseys in the recruiting process. Yeah. I don't think that's as much of the case anymore. Do you? It's it's not. I don't really read about that as much. I don't know why that became a thing as much as it did, why you would choose your college based. I mean, that just sounds crazy to me in the first place. Uh, but, no, I like them. Um, what's your favorite combination, Sean, that they wear right now? Ooh, I love I love the all whites, like white top, white helmet, white Stormtrooper. pants. I love I love the whites. I love the blue. I love the color rush blue that they do every now and then too with the socks, the cleats, everything. I love those. I'm not as big on the anthracite. I'm not I, either. I, I wish it was actual. I wish it was black like they wore against South Carolina in 2014. Uh, I I really my favorite chrome helmet though is the white chrome with the uh, white with the blue the white decal. The oh white yeah, okay. On there, I like those better than the blue, the blue chrome. Yeah, I'm with you. I like their road uniforms. Probably my favorite is uh, – I don't I don't like the all, you know, white helmet, white – I mean, I, I don't dislike it. I kind of like having the blue pants, though, the blue bottoms with the uh, – either blue helmet or white helmet. It doesn't really matter. I just like throwing some extra blue in there. I think that's what they wore at Auburn last year. Let me pull that up it, real quick because they had a good combination against Auburn. They had the blue helmet, didn't they? They have a blue helmet there my computer. They did. They went blue, blue helmet, white uh, jersey, and blue pants. That's what I like. I like that look. It's probably my favorite road look. Um, my least favorite is the blue helmet, blue top, white pants, the, the traditional home. I, I just – I don't like that as much. Yeah. Um, I'm just – I just typed in Google Kentucky football uniforms. Is there – I'll tell you what uniform combo I really didn't like, uh, and I think fans liked it. I think it was against Georgia in 2014. They wore yeah, the gray. Like all gray. I thought that was horrible. I just thought it was like a sweatpants. Well, that was when look. they went through a stretch there, too, where they actually had the logo gray on the helmet and everything, if you remember. Yeah. Like they they went crazy with it. But, you know, the the, we, should make that, we should make that a new feature on this podcast that we predict that what uniform Friday what uniform they're going to wear. <laughs> We should get a plug over there. Yeah. The what I really don't like, uh, and they wore it a few times in 2018, is the chrome. I'm, I'm looking at a picture of Benny Snell, and he was about to spin the football. So I know it was against uh, South Carolina. South Carolina. Chrome helmet was fine. Blue jersey, fine. Anthracite pants. No. Horrible. No. Not a good look. Bad no. look. Whoever let them go out there like that, bad look. Uh, blue socks. I mean, the anthracite's just, it's like out of nowhere. It goes with nothing else on the, uh, on the jersey but uh you know they let the kids pick they're the ones wearing them you know we can just sit here and talk about it but as terms of the design of things like that like some of these people i've seen it with the reds uniform some of these people on twitter who like design uniforms are very good and i think honestly i think a lot of the ideas they come up with like teams should at least consider yeah um but i do think it probably is going on it's probably about time yeah it is that's like our our guy owen that created our podcast logo super creative it comes up with all kinds of – I see him all the time with Kentucky basketball jerseys. Uh, UK should probably give him a call and say, hey, design the floor at Rep Arena for me because he puts together some yeah. really, really good stuff. But, yeah. Hey, it, last thing uh, before we wrap this up, because we were talking about the other day at the luncheon, and I want to hear back from fans as well if they want to talk about this. The UK logo on the field is just too small. It – I don't understand it. It's just tiny, especially it's tiny on TV. And then whenever you see it in person, I mean, that's not how it was at Commonwealth before they switched over to the turf. 
No, I mean, the it, UK was it was proud out there on the field. Um, it's perfectly placed in between the two forty fives. Like that's how small it is. I'm pretty sure if you pull a picture right now like that, it's all of it's inside that ten yards. Maybe I'm, I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to find Commonwealth Stadium before. It seems like that went all the way to the forty. I'm not, not mistaken. I'm trying to see how many Commonwealth stadiums are there. There must be one in Glasgow in the other side of the pond. So that that logo at midfield is literally ten yards wide, or ten yards long there across the field. I mean, it did take. It's not. It's actually not even from the forty-five to the forty-five. It's from the forty-six to the forty-six. So it's like it is it is tiny. I might be wrong. Maybe maybe it was smaller at Commonwealth. I'm looking at where it was grass, and it looks like it was the same way. But I feel like I remember it not being that way. I don't remember it being. I'm go back to the '90s and look at Tim Couch in '98. They had the that was you know they switched the logo to. Um, Okay, Blue. yes, that was much different. The power K was like 20 yards wide. Yeah, and then they switched the logo. It was blue like it is now in the late 90s, and then they switched it to to white. So now it's back to blue, and it hasn't changed since they put the new turf and everything down. Um, I remember it being much bigger when I was a kid, for sure. I'm trying to find a good picture. Maybe I can go back and watch one of those old games on YouTube or something. But, yeah, I think it does need to be a little bit bigger. I think it would look better if it were a little bigger. It is tiny. Yeah. You can't even like see – you can't even see, like, the checkerboard pattern in the end zones either really well with the black and blue. I can't really pick them up when I'm there in person. No, I do like the end zone color, though. I mean, I do like the blue yeah. in the end zones. Um, I miss the grass at Commonwealth, but I understand why they went to the turf. Um I, obviously, a lot of schools have that now, so I'm not complaining about that. But uh, and that Power K logo is massive. I'm just now seeing that. Yeah, it is. It's from forty the to forty all the way. I mean, you need to get a logo like from I mean, Florida's is huge. I mean, uh, I don't know. I just that's my pet peeve of the day. The UK logo should be bigger. Petition to make it a little bit larger because yeah, it's just kind of it is tightly fit in there, but it's just like I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why it's so small. Now that I am looking at it, you are right. Commonwealth Stadium UK logo was the exact same. Maybe it's the. Why did the, it seem different? I, I'll tell you what it is. It's it's a minor change, but it's the new UK logo and how it's angled. It just looks different. Oh first. yeah, that yeah. is exactly what it is. It's not. It's it's laid out differently and it looks smaller to us. Because I looked at that logo just now and it was the old UK logo. It just it's the the layout of it. That's it. Yeah, Sean, this was a good episode. Uh, housekeeping on basketball. I don't know if we mentioned it. Did we mention Jalen Duran the other day announcing on Friday? Have we discussed we have, that? We haven't recorded since that went out. Yeah, so. so we'll probably mention that on the mailbag tomorrow, the basketball mailbag, but that's something to watch. Any yeah. predictions from you before we wrap up? Nobody knows, right? Uh, from from everything that I'm getting, nobody really has a feel. But at this point, I'm going to say no Kentucky. I'm going to say it's Memphis or Miami. That's just yeah. that's just my gut feeling on it, but right now I, I would also confidently say that I don't think anyone really has a feel on it. If there's one person that knows, I think it's Tipton Edits, but he's never going to tell us. He's never going to tell. So I don't know. What that do you? Sounds think? right to me. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I don't think yeah. it'll be Kentucky. Well, if you ask anybody that covers UK, they're going to say it's not UK <laughs> at this point. I think that that's 
That's what someone would tell you. But for Mailbag, we will publish a basketball mailbag before his announcement. So everything will be pre-Jalen Duren. So if you have questions, get them in there. Uh, honestly, if you're asking for a prediction for Jalen Duren, it's not going to change, I don't think, between now and when we publish an episode on Thursday. Uh, but get your best basketball questions in, and then we will do another mailbag and stuff post-Duren and post-UK football fan day going into next week, and we'll uh, kickstart another week. We're looking forward to being at Kroger Field this weekend for Media Day and Fan Day. Hopefully you'll follow along. We'll have episodes dropping to uh, give a recap of all those events. Uh, as always, this is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by uh, Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky. Make it out to Wings and Rings for, for a delicious meal. Watch a game as we get closer and closer to the college football season. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 